This podcast is a member of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. All right, welcome everybody to another podcast episode with Semper Reformanda Radio. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. Welcome everyone to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. Well, welcome to the School of Biblical Hermeneutics. Welcome everybody to Grappling with Theology. What is going on, guys? Shine as lights coming at you. Well, welcome to Slick Answers. Good evening and welcome to the Conversations from the port. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. The Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Ten podcasts, one network. Check them out. BibleThumpingWingnut.com. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals, and thanks for joining us tonight. We're a podcast by women and for women. I'm Colleen Sharp, and my co-host is Ashley Glassick. And a couple things before we get started. We're on the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. You can find our stuff if you go to BibleThumpingWingnut.com. Click on Theology Gals, and we sometimes have some blog posts up there. You can find the resources for our episodes um, and those sorts of things. So, um well, Ashley, I'm glad you're back. I know you weren't able to be with us last week, but it's nice to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, so I think my brother-in-law, who lives real close to you, said it was pretty hot. Was it hot out there? Pretty hot out there recently, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh. It is almost 100 degrees already, and it's That's the end what of I April. Said, yeah. We had a week. It was last weekend where we were like, okay, it's summer. Which I, I hesitate to say that because I know we have listeners that live in parts of the country where there's still snow. <laughs> so I apologize. <laughs> well, we're supposed to get a snowstorm tomorrow night, but I love it. I, I love snow. So I'm excited. We haven't had much this year. So yeah, um, I'm glad to have a little. probably melt the next day. But and we've had a mild winter and can really use the moisture, but it's just been very mild. So yeah. Um, I'm excited. Well, one thing we wanted to announce tonight, Ashley, for our listeners, because I think I mentioned it a little bit on last week's podcast, and this will play into what tonight's podcast is about, is we now have a voicemail. And um, that'll be listed on the episode notes, but I'll I'll just say it. It's 951-364-0221. So if you want to leave us any questions you'd like us to answer on future episodes or of, um, you can also text that number. Of course, you can also send things to our email, theologygals at gmail.com. So I'm kind of excited about that because we have gotten, you know, a lot of questions by email and maybe on Facebook. But th- I thought this would be a lot of fun. People can call in and ask their question and hear it played back on the air. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, so please call and ask any questions, really. I mean, we just yeah. would love to. <laughs> We're just excited. I think I mentioned it to you, Colleen, and then the next day we already had a voicemail. You were like, let's do this. Yeah. yeah. So that's Yeah, I'm excited about that. And then the other thing, the other new thing is we have a Patreon account now, which if you wanted to support us just a few dollars a month, and we don't really have a lot of expenses, but we do have some, and that would um, make it possible for us to do some some more things and maybe upgrade equipment and those sorts of things. So yep. um, I will link that on the episode notes also for those of you 
interested. And t- tonight we're doing a question and answer podcast because we, you know, we have some different questions that have been that have been coming and, you know, we just thought, you know what, let's let's start answering some of these and we want to do this every once in a while. It's kind of even fun for us and mm-hmm. and for our listeners too. Cuz sometimes I get questions that are similar even. So, yeah. You know, before we start, Colleen, I was wondering, did you happen to see any of the uh, debate with James White that happened? No, I heard about it and I listened to his episode when he talked about it, but I didn't see the actual debate. Did you see it? Yeah. So for those that that didn't hear about it or or see it, James White debated um, a member of the, I think I'm going to mispronounce this, but Iglesia Nicristo. Is that how you say it? They're they're called the INC. Okay, I I wouldn't know, but okay, okay. So the reason why I, I mean, I I always like to listen to James White. I mean, he's just an amazing debater um, in general. But one of the reasons why I really wanted to listen to this one is um, this group, the INC, were spreading like false stories about the debate, like they. I don't know if you heard about this, but they took a picture of James White after the debate speaking with um, the guy he debated and posted on Facebook that actually James White had renounced his view of the Trinity and that he was converting to the INC. And they were spreading this around that wow. like he, he made some sort of convert. And I was just like, you know, and then there was other accusations like, oh, he didn't even use the Bible in his debate. And I was like, you must not know who James White is. So <laughs> there are accusations anti- like that. So they're yeah. an anti-Trinitarian. They're anti-Trinitarian. They, I listened to or I watched uh, the first half of the debate. Um, and it was really interesting. They, they basically... Uh, pick and choose verses from the Bible that fit their view that only God, the father is God. And they completely reject Christ as well. They reject the Trinity, but they do not think Jesus Christ is God. Um, Which was, you know, you're listening to it and you're thinking of all those verses where it talks about like Jesus saying, depart from me. I never knew you. And stuff. Right. So it's very, very scary, you know, thinking, you know, what they're doing. I mean, they're forsaking Christ, you know, and James White. I mean, he held his own because if you watch the debate, like you're just like, wow, like some of the arguments are just so off the wall, like they just don't even make sense. And so um, I was really he's impressed very by good. how He's very good on the Trinity. He has that book. I think it's oh, called the Forgotten yeah. Trinity. So, yeah, it kind of seemed uh, in the I'll debate, though. To- yeah, it kind of seemed in the debate, though, that he was kind of just like, "What is even going on?" <laughs> like, if you watch it, you'll kind of <laughs> see, because they just don't seem to have a good handle on on scripture, and they don't read things in context at all. So it's you know, it's just just very interesting, and they have quite a. A, a large, I mean, I think I heard like 20 million. Um, oh, wow. So they, I, they I could be wrong, but they make up 5% you know, of the Philippines, which 5% of the Philippines, that's so. So are they, so are there a lot of them in the United States? I don't think there's like a lot, a lot, but they're growing. 
That's the sense I got. They're trying to expand in the United States. Okay. So that's good to know and something that people can keep an eye out for. And I looked them Um, up. I was watching this video on YouTube. um, I think it was Jeff Durbin outside the Mormon temple. And something interesting, and I I enjoy watching those. um, But something something interesting that he said when he was talking to this guy was that, you know, the Mormons, they, they have... They don't have a good understanding of what we believe about the Trinity. Hmm. So the Mormon guy was saying, but don't you see Jesus is his own person? And Jeff Durbin was saying, yes, I agree with that. We believe there are three distinct persons and only one God. And, you know, he was explaining, you know, that I think he said that they're taught that we believe certain things, but they're not really Hmm. taught really exactly what we believe about the Trinity. Right. It, it seems like, well, I mean, the Trinity is really hard concept to grasp, I I think in general, but I think maybe sometimes we take it for granted. Like we're just like, I don't know, maybe we, because we accept it as true, we forget that it's actually like a big hurdle for some people to, to overcome. And I don't know, I was encouraged at least by the debate and even seeing things like Jeff Durbin outside the Mormon temple. And it's like, I really do need to make sure I understand how to defend you know, the Trinity and really understand where in scripture we, we see it, even though I, I mean, a hundred percent fully accepted as biblical, I still should have a good, you know, understanding of how to defend it. So, right. But anyways, if anyone's, if anyone's interested, I, I recommend watching it. Um, just search like James White in the INC is what they're called. I can link it in our episode. Yeah. In our episode notes. Yeah. A link to the debate. Well, let's go to a commercial and then we'll come back and we're going to answer some of your questions. So we'll be right back. Looking for that perfect track for your next evangelism outreach? Look no further. At TrackedPlanet.com, we have solid biblical tracks that are a breeze to hand out. They are beautifully designed and are the highest quality tracks available. With over 80 different designs in stock and literally hundreds more available by custom order, we're sure to have just the right one for you. You can get any of our items printed with your church or ministry information or have us design a brand new tract just for you. We are committed to the solid biblical message of law to the proud and grace to the humble. Each tract is firm on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith in salvation. Come check us out at TrackedPlanet.com and make sure you use coupon code BTWN at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's TRACTPlanet.com, coupon code BTWN. And now we're back. So, Ashley, I, we're not even going to get – we have so many questions, we won't even get to all of them. So I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. We can kind of put them in the file for another time. And sure. I'm going to start with a um, a fun one, I guess, okay. a, not, a not too difficult one. And Ashley hasn't seen these, and I uh, – you know, barely, I, I'd kind of been filing them away for a future time. So we have not prepared anything. We are really right on the spot on these, but yeah. 
This one is, when do you record Theology Gals? Is it sometimes challenging to get it done some weeks? How long does from pick up to hang up? Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's a fun one. <laughs> I was expecting yeah. like a theology question. I'm like, okay, get ready. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we usually record in the evening or I feel like we were, sometimes it's been Saturday mornings, right? Right. Um, I think more has been the evening. Yeah. I, I uh, work full time and I'm getting my master's as well. So sometimes scheduling can be hard, but usually we haven't had too many issues. Right. That. No, I don't, not too much. I think sometimes it's, sometimes it gets a little challenging when we're trying to have a guest on, you know, find a time that that works for all three of us, but it hasn't been too difficult. No. Um, you know, when we had our Scott Clark on, I gave him a couple dates and he said, this one works and we have a guest coming on next week and mm-hmm. did the same thing with him. And so it hasn't, it hasn't been too bad. And, you know, Ashley, sometimes Ashley it will sometimes have to take a week off because yeah. when she has um, things due with her masters or that sort of thing, but yeah. it hasn't been too difficult. And yeah. I don't think it's been, I'm pretty flexible. So, you know, I can be real flexible with what works for Ashley. Yeah. And you're the one that's like techie and doing all the editing and, and things <laughs> like that. So we can thank you for oh, that. Yeah. And then, <laughs> Okay, so it did ask, um, like, how long does it take from from pick up to hang up? So, I mean, that, again, isn't that much longer than the actual episode. I usually get everything set up about 10 minutes before, and then Ashley and I connect. We record on Hangouts so we can see each other when we're recording. Although we're trying some – we're doing something new now where we're actually each – recording on our end to have some better sound since my internet is not always great living in the boonies. <laughs> so, um, but usually, and then we connect and we usually just talk for a few minutes and then, and then get mm-hmm. started. You know, we connect throughout the week about different things and stuff. So it's usually not that I would say probably maybe 10 to 15 minutes longer than the actual episode. And yeah. then it, as far as the time it takes to, um, you know, I'm, I'm not naturally techy, so it, I'm getting better and better at it. I, you know, I usually a couple hours. So yeah. at, at the most, um, so that's that. So here's one, here's another question. It's a little bit long and, um, and I have a couple of these that are very similar. So I'm going to use this one. And she says, I am struggling with one aspect of God's divine election that I cannot reconcile in my heart. Should oh, Anyway, she says to let her know if we address it on the podcast. Um, I am a believer, but I have several loved ones who are not. I do not doubt God's sovereignty or his sovereign choice, but by choosing the elect and leaving the rest in their sin, he is by default choosing some to be damned for a eternity. His holiness and justice is without question, but how do I reconcile this as a loving God as it relates to the non-elect? I am not arguing against it. I believe the Bible, whether I like it or not, and whether I understand it or not, but I prefer to understand it, understand it when he so allows. That's That's a really good question. That's deep. That's deep. Mm-hmm. 
I think so, you should go first. I'm looking up something because <laughs> so you go okay. first. You know, I'm I'm actually thinking of a couple things right from the Westminster Confession. I'm gonna um, turn to and take me just a second um, to get there. Um, okay, I, I I don't know if this exactly fits into it, but I think it's an important thing to remember in this discussion. And this is from Westminster Confession six. And six, six, six is what it is. Every sin, both original and actual, being a transgression of the righteous law of God and contrary thereunto, does in its own nature bring guilt upon the sinner, whereby he is bound over to the wrath of God and curse of the law, and so made subject to death with all misery, spiritual, temporal, and eternal. And, and really... Um, none of us deserve what what we all deserve is God's justice. We we don't deserve His grace. Um, and I want to do one more thing to kind of gather my thoughts together, and that's from Westminster Confession, Chapter Three. God from all eternity, and I'm I'm going to link this because I think this whole chapter may be helpful because it's on on God's eternal decree. But God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of His own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass, yet so as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor is the liberty of second causes taken away, but rather established. You know, we, I think, I think it can be very, very difficult to grasp, but we all have rebelled against him. And, you know, we're not told why God chooses some and doesn't choose others. But we do know that it does not, that God is still loving, that God is still gracious, even though some die in their sin and they die being dead in their transgressions, that he, he does not cease to be loving and just by allowing, allowing that to happen. And I, I know it's I know it's difficult, Ashley. I mean, we yeah. all have people that we love who do not know Christ, and mm-hmm. it can be difficult to reconcile. But we the other thing is we don't know if I think of the loved ones that I have right now um, that do not know Christ, I don't know if the Lord, if they're elect. I mean, they could become a Christian on their deathbed. They might become a Christian tomorrow or in 10 years. And I've seen people who I thought never would become Christians come to Christ. And so I think... Mm-hmm. I would say continue to pray for those people in your lives. Salvation. Yeah. I mean, this is, I think this is hard. I think even people who've been Christians for a long time, who, you know, have accepted the doctrine of election for a long time, still at times are going to (laughs) pause when thinking about this, especially when you think about people, you know, and you love and, um, he, I have to remember that for me, I hate saying that. I think for me, um, but I, I do, I do have to remember that, like you said, none of us are deserving of salvation, um, that we're not owed it. Um, which I don't think the question, the, the person asking the question really feels that way. Um, right. And I, but I, you know, I think at some point you, you have to acknowledge like, with knowing everything you've just said that we're just, we're not given a complete picture 
um, we're only given just a part. Um, God has revealed himself and some of his ways to us, but not all of it. And so I think, I think at some point, knowing the doctrine of election, you just have to learn to just say, okay, Lord, I trust you. Even though this doesn't really make sense in my head, and sometimes I don't really like it, I do trust that you are good and that you are just. And I was also thinking, um, too, of Job and Job 42, um, where he says, you know, Job challenges God, and then God responds, you know, in the epic way in Job 40 and 41. And then in when Job finally is allowed to answer, um, he says, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful, which I did not know. And I, I think there are things like this. I, that's not a satisfying answer, I don't think, because um, people are like, well, no, but I want to understand it. Um, but I think some of these things are too wonderful and too great that we're, we're not we're just not given them. And even I was also thinking of a Psalm. I really like Psalm 131. Uh, he says, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child. I am content. Um, I really like that picture. You know, it's, it is like a childlike trust. Like I'm sure I'm not a parent yet, but Colleen, like when you discipline your kids or, you know, your kids, like especially if your kid's like six, doesn't really get why they're being disciplined. But, right. but you know, you know that you know what's best for them better than they do. And so you, you just say, look, I, I know better. Like I, I have to do this for you, you know? And I think, I think of God like that sometimes where God, God just knows better <laughs> than, right. you know, than, than we do. We're like, we're like children. And, um, at some point we just have to say, you know, some of, some of these things we can try to understand them, but we just have to sometimes say it's too great and too wonderful for me to try to understand fully. Yeah. And, and that's a good point in your analogy about with our kids. You know, when I have a three-year-old who literally is not capable of reasoning, you know, right. to much of an extent, um, you know, our children are taught to trust that we know what's what's best for them. You know, yeah. when they, of course, of course, at that age, they, they do what, what we do with God is they say, why, why, mm -hmm. why, you know, and for me, I've, you know, half my family is Jewish. Um, I mean, not completely half, but, you know, my, my dad grew up Jewish. He, he came to Christ in college and I have a lot of family that are Jewish and his mom, my Bubby, Bubby is, um, grandmother in Yiddish. When I was a teenager, I shared the gospel with her and, because it, I was, I think it was about 14 or 15 years old at that point. And that I didn't understand election, but I did understand that those who didn't trust in Christ would not go to heaven. So I went and shared the gospel with her. And 
And she's, I told her, I said that the Messiah had come and I gave her the whole gospel. And she said, so who's the Messiah? And I said, Jesus. And she said, um, really? Cause I'm reading a book about him right now. And she's in her eighties at this point. And I said, what book are you reading? She said, oh, I'll go get it. She brings it out. Somebody had given her a new Testament and she was reading a chapter every night and she was to the middle of Luke. But the reason I share that story is because here the Lord had been working didn't even know somebody gave her a new testament to this day we don't know who she couldn't remember where she got it and so the lord is often working in you know different people's lives that we love to bring them to salvation and sometimes it's just not on on the timetable we'd like to see but don't lose hope and rest in god's goodness and grace yeah. and what ashley said like, there's things that god hasn't told us because they're too too marvelous for us to to comprehend and understand or even deal with i'm i'm guessing yeah i think um my my pastor in college shared psalm 131 with me um and he one of the things he said is you know if i think too hard about certain things i could literally drive myself insane like if i think when i get in my car to go drive somewhere you know, will I make it there safe or, you know, things like that. Like you just can't occupy your mind with too much. Now I do want to push back a little bit on what I said, because there are certain people who will say that about most things about God, where it's like, Oh, it's just like, God is. And I'm not saying that. I think there are, there's so much God has revealed to us about who he is and, you know, his providence and just, just things in scripture where there is a lot we do know. Um, I think it's, it's the things that we don't know that those are the things that we just, that's where we have to stop and go. This is too, too great and too wonderful. So, yeah, that's a good point. In fact, when I was talking earlier about that conversation with Jeff, Jeff Durbin and this Mormon guy. And it was, it was a long conversation. I I mean, it was pretty long. My husband watched some of it with me, but when Jeff Durbin would kind of pinpoint something where their faith was not consistent with scripture, the guy would say, Oh, it's just, it's too great for us to comprehend. Right. And it was the verse, you know, there was, you know, that there was no gods before me, there will be none after me. And, you know, there's only one God. And he goes, that's too great. <laughs> clear to me. Right. Know? That so, could be a cop out. So uh, you're right. And yeah. right, right. And, and I think that there are things that are, that are left to mystery that are beyond because God has not revealed them to us. He has not revealed to us why he chooses some and not others. And so in that place, we have to hold on to what we know to be true about God right. um, as found in Scripture. And there's so many truths and so many promises of God in Scripture that we can meditate on. Um, and I think that's where we have to focus is this is what we do know. This is what God you know, has told us. Um, so... Yeah, I, you know, I think this is something that, I, I mean, in, on your journey towards understanding the doctrines of grace and election and God's sovereignty and stuff, I think it's something that a lot of, a lot of people do struggle with. So, yeah. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can find some more resources too, which I'll link in this episode 
because um, there are some wise people who have written mm-hmm. some great things on this topic. So we'll see if we can find some stuff. Yeah, to that's, a, that's a great question. Yeah, it is. It is a great question. So, okay, I think we're going to move on. And I'm going to put you on the spot here, Ashley. And okay. I'm going to have to look something up. <laughs> but, All right. Um, I hope I know how to answer this so one. <laughs> this, gal, <laughs> this gal says, can you recommend resources on church history? Recommend resources on church history. Come on, Colleen. That's like your area. I, I <laughs> okay. need to. Um, well, I would say I would say to start out is this. I'm trying to find the exact name. Hold on, and um, trying to do different things at once. But the one, a, a real, if you've not read any church history ever, and you just want a quick, you know, introduction that's going to be an easy read. And is going to give you kind of just an introductory look at church history. Sinclair Ferguson has one. Okay, hold on. It's like 101 something. So let me look it up and I will link it. Okay, so if you want a really good introduction to church history, you've never done anything at all. You just want something to kind of give you a just a, a good kind of overview. I'm going to recommend Church History 101, the highlights of 20 centuries by Sinclair Ferguson. And literally it's like a few pages for each century. I mean, it's a, it's a really great introduction to church history. So you can find some church history books out there and there's like, you know, 27 volumes or something oh like that. And so, um, that's a really good one. The other thing I'm going to highly, highly recommend is they have it over at Ligonier, and that is a series by Robert Godfrey on church history. So if if you're somebody who likes to listen to stuff, that's going to be a great thing for you. And they've got something over there, like Ligonier Connect or something, where you pay, I don't know, six, seven dollars a month or something like that. And you have access to all of those. And then also, I sometimes see that particular set, the DVDs, um, available for um, like a gift of any amount sort of thing. And then the other one, which is another great, what I think is a really great introduction, it's just different than Sinclair Ferguson's. Um, And... Um, I kind of read them side by side, and that is a book called Church History, A Crash Course for the Curious by Christopher Catherwood. And Christopher Catherwood is Martin Lloyd-Jones' grandson. So he also actually has a a book on a biography on his grandfather. But that's another great introduction, you know. And I think the two books that I mentioned and the set, if you're – maybe a homeschooling mom of teenagers, I think it would be something that would definitely be helpful for them too. If you're kind of looking for maybe like high school age church history for your kids, you know, all three of those things, which I will link um, on our resource sheet. Now, do you have any, Ashley? Um, I haven't, I haven't read a lot of books lately because um, reading is not fun because I have to read for uh, my master's. (laughs) So I don't want to read much anymore. But uh, something I I do enjoy, which this is because I I, I try to read little things. I do get Table Talk magazine from Ligonier. And they end up having a lot of historical stuff. I mean, it's not like if you're looking for like, I really want to study church history. It's not that. But like they had an issue. I think it was the March issue was about the Reformation. 
Um, another issue in another issue, they talked about like the creeds and, you know, historically how those came about. But it, it, I think our Scott Clark wrote an article about the Reformation and about confessions in the Reformation. Oh, in a recent issue. one? Yeah, I think it was oh, okay. March. Um, either March or March or February. So I, I like that because you just get short little snippets of, you know, history or theology, or, you know, just different things. So if you, you don't subscribe to Table Talk magazine, I, I really recommend it. And so. I think I last time I looked, I think that they actually offer three months for free or something like that. I don't know if that's their online version or actual hard copy mm-hmm. version. But, you know, yeah. if you're thinking, I don't know if I like Table Talk, you know, see if that's still available because – you know, that's a great way to check it out. My husband, we are not getting it right now, but we got it for like, my husband got it for like 20 years. And so yeah, we probably need to cool. subscribe again to it. I've got lots we, of that old. We save them, you know, like yeah. they're, they're quality things. Like I actually have them as like my, you know, coffee table books, you know, <laughs> no, no one's picked one up yet. You know, like the most recent one I think was called, why are we reformed? That was the. Oh, I'm gonna have to get. It sounds like some good ones. I'm gonna. Have yeah. To see. I was like, yes, like, a, and they have super good like design too. Like the, you know, whoever does their cover design is really good. Right. So the, all the artwork. Yeah, there was one. I I'm gonna have to see if we still have it, but there was this. There was an article, and they used years ago, years ago, years ago, and um they the guy who had written this thing in there, you know, had used the St. George and the dragon story. And then they had um, a, a picture of one of the artworks of that. And I just thought it was so beautiful. I was like, I, I would love to get that. And hang is it that, my house. is that the story from the C.S. Lewis novel that you're, is that what you're referring no. to? No, it's um, not sure. It's kind of like one of those old, stories where the you know he one of those things where he um he slays the dragon to save the princess oh okay something different yeah and so i think it was kind of using in that particular story and i wish i could find it because it was so beautifully written at that time and this may have been like 15 years ago um they're kind of using it as a picture of you know the dragon being sin and us being the bride Hmm. That, that really, that really sounds a lot like, uh, I don't know if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia series. Yes, I have. Okay. Yeah. The the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Yes. Where the little boy. I mean, I know there's, there's similar parallels. This was not specifically from there, Mm -hmm. but yes, the same sort of pictures that you see. So let's see what other questions, maybe do a couple more. Okay. I don't, I'm not sure what this one means. But I thought I would maybe, just maybe we'll tr- we'll try. Okay. And so, but I thought, well, you know, if somebody's asking it, maybe maybe there's something to it. So, what's the difference between reformed capital R and reformed small R? Well, um, wouldn't is I always mix them up. Capital R reformed wouldn't that be like continental reformed, like like URC? Oh yeah, I I see what she's saying. So is she, that you know. The difference between, yeah, like, like the Dutch, reformed, Dutch reformed church. Right. Yeah. And then being reformed. I guess that's what she's asking. Mm-hmm. Um, although I I quickly, before we got on, looked, and both are capitalized. 
So I'm uh, not sure. Um, but I guess we could just talk about what reformed can mean. Sure. Well, so I, this is my understanding. So maybe someone can email us and correct us. Um, that cap- capital R reformed was referring to the Dutch reformed denominations like the URCNA. Uh, help me out. What's another? Uh, oh, so, well, the Christian reformed CRC. CRC. Um, uh, oh, why can't I? RCA? RCA? Is that? Yeah, Reformed Church in America. Okay. Although, like, CRC and RCA have really kind of strayed from the confessions. Right. So those are those are denominations that are very much like Presbyterians, but they are just Reformed. They're not. But, but I mean, right. if, you went, if you went to a URC and you were a Presbyterian, it would not be a whole lot different than than a right. OPC. Well, like we, I mean, the big distinct, the big difference. So, I mean, it, if you are, if you're a Presbyterian, you are Reformed. Your theology, you right. hold Reformed theology. But I mean, the and we talked about this on our episode on what does it mean to be Reformed, and so the URC, CRC, RCA, mm-hmm. they hold to the three forms of unity. Heidelbergism and Canons of Dort, where Presbyterians hold to the Westminster State. Right. Thank you. Yeah. I, I guess I meant in But pra- there's no practice theologically yeah. between them. I mean, yeah. Because I've heard not- I've heard Dr. Clark say I'm mostly like a Presbyterian, but I'm not, you know, I'm I'm part of the URC, so he's, you know, reformed. Um, so yeah, right. he he holds to the Heidelberg the three forms of unity, um, which I I love the Heidelberg Catechism yeah. in the Confession. I mean, so I I think yeah we I had think that's we were what they're asking. I'm not I'm not yeah I that's probably that's probably what's being asked. We were um, part of an attempted URC church plant, like let's see, 17 years ago. And we went through the Heidelberg over a couple of years and it was just, I, I just really fell in love with the Heidelberg. I absolutely love it. Yeah. And it might be a great thing to read through, you know, as maybe part of your daily Bible reading or that sort of thing. My husband's included it in our family worship, you know, just reading one or two. Sure. Yeah. But it's a, it's very good. And last, was it last summer or the summer before I, I went and read through the canons of Dort um, which I also highly recommend. And there's um, an app, I think it's like called Catechisms and Confessions yep. of the Reformation. I have it. And have so, it on my phone. yeah, I read it through it on there, but that's a great resource to have. That's a, if you're ever looking for some good apps, we should put together like a list of apps, like yeah. good reformed apps. Reformed um, let's apps. see, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's see. Here's here's another fun one. Are you up for a fun one? Yep. So if you could have anyone from history that's now deceased on your podcast, who would it be? I don't know how you don't say John Calvin. I know. Right? <laughs> like, I, I feel like that's a gimme. Like, I mean, it's like John Calvin just immediately comes to mind, but I don't know. There. What do you think? Can you did did someone yeah, else well, like what immediately came to your mind? 
Calvin came to my mind, but I'm thinking if we both get to choose one, if you okay. choose Calvin, I'll choose Luther. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Luther was so bold. Yeah. That, that would be, yeah. Those, I mean, those are pretty like typical reformed answers. Like if, right. you could, if you could meet one theologian who, you know what though, Augustine. Yeah. That would be cool. I mean, from 400, like, I mean, he was like affirming the Trinity. Like, he was doing all sorts of reform stuff. Like, that's true. And almost 2,000 years. I mean, pretty and, cool. Yeah. And the, um, and, you know, both Calvin and Luther were influenced by him. So, yeah. that's, yeah, that would be another good one. And there's, there's so many, there's so many different people that, you know, from history that, we just love and appreciate our, and are fascinated by. I was looking up some stuff today and Augustus Top Lady, he he was just really amazing. I was reading mm-hmm. some stuff from him today and he's just, you know, he wrote a lot of the hymns that we love, like Rock of Ages. And, um, but right. all the stuff that he wrote was just so rich with theology. You yeah. Know? And I, yeah, I I was thinking also like if I was having a really bad day, I would love to go get coffee with Charles Spurgeon. (laughs) Like, I just feel like he's so comforting. Like when I read Charles Spurgeon, I'm like, Oh, like, okay. Like it's good. You know? (laughs) So would you ask him why he doesn't believe the right way on baptism? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Totally kidding on that one. (laughs) And then the other one is if, if I'm getting too puffed up in my pride, I would want to have John Owen. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So he can help me mortify my my sin. That's so. right. Although if I was really puffed up, I probably wouldn't want him to come and Right, that's bubble. true. My husband would. <laughs> Please come. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that, well, I think we'll we'll leave it at that. Just um but we we want to do more shows like this. So, you know, we'll we'll have the phone number listed on our on our episodes because we'd love for you guys to call in because it'd be fun i think it'd be fun to play you know your voices asking the question i think that would be yeah a lot of fun the way they do on some some podcasts it's it's fun for us too kind of a break from the other stuff we have some exciting things coming up next week we have a guest we're very excited about Mm -hmm. we'll be doing some talking about culture and yeah. Christians interacting with culture. And I think that's a really important topic, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've been talking about that one a lot. So yeah. we'll just we'll leave And there's a lot suspense. of different views. Yeah. Right. We'll leave you in there's a lot of different views on that. So, you know, it's going to be. It's going to be ahead. kind of interesting. You know, I think I will actually just say one more thing, Ashley, because. This keeps coming up in the group, and uh, I'm going to get in trouble for this one, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Looking forward to the emails. But, yeah, here we go. Um, something keeps coming up in the group, and I just thought it, maybe we should address it real quick. And Ashlyn did I, and I did not talk about this ahead of time, and that is women working outside the home. Okay. Let's do it. And there's some strong views on this and maybe, you know, uh-huh. we might just have to do a whole podcast on it really. Yeah. Because. We mention it. Yeah. Well, I mean, people, people feel very strongly about their, 
their view, you know, and I think women feel really strongly about their view, you know, if, if they, if in their family, it's no women only stay home, that's the only option, then they feel strongly that that's, that's what the only option is. And then there's other women who work outside the home who feel strongly that that's okay. And I have to say, I do, I do kind of feel for, for women who work outside the home. Um, you know, they get kind of judged of, you know, that's not okay and made to feel bad that that's not yeah. okay. You know, I, right now yeah. my, my husband, and I, like for me, my husband and I, we have no kids. So obviously like I'm working full time, get my master's doing my thing. But I know you, uh, you've stayed home. You've been a stay-at-home mom. So I, I yeah. imagine you have more insight than I do. Well, you know, f- this was a decision that we made. But I don't – I'm not somebody who says – who feels comfortable saying it's wrong for a woman to work outside the home. Um, you know, and part of it is that, you know, we started out homeschooling and – you know, can't really work. Well, I guess there's women who do work part-time in homeschool, but I have not worked outside the home in over 21 years, but Mm -hmm. I have made money from home though. I've done, you know, a few things and at different times and, and made money from home. And, you know, now that my kids are getting older and they're, um, leaving home and stuff. And I, I still, you know, after next year, I only have one child under 18. And so I've been even thinking, do, do I want to get a job outside the home mm-hmm. when the kids are all out of the house? And I don't have to financially. And, you know, it's just one of those things I'm not, you know, I'm not sure, but may I would maybe instead maybe put some more energy to some of the stuff that I've done at home, maybe do that or you know, maybe do some volunteer work, maybe at a crisis pregnancy center or tutoring kids or something like that. So, but I know that there, we have a lot of women in our group who are working moms for various reasons. And one of the, one of those ladies said something, I don't have it in front of me, but she said, you know, if you're able to care for your family, if you're, you know, able to care, still care for your family and you know, then that's what's important. And so people are just in different situations. Some people live in very expensive areas and it's completely unrealistic to live, to support a family on one income. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons. Some mm-hmm. women like, you know, they enjoy working mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm a homebody. So, you know, if I <laughs> never work outside the home again, I'm cool with that. But so it's, I think it's something we'll have to maybe talk about maybe even find some sort of guest to come on who can help mm-hmm. us kind of flesh this out because I understand one side says, but women are supposed to be, you know, keepers at home and, and, and that sort of thing. So, but I'm, I'm just not convinced from scripture that that's the only are, way. Yeah. Right. And I think, right. and I think to say, it's one thing to say to someone, you know, I think it's wise if, if you feel strongly that that's, that's the only way it's one thing to say, I think it's wise that, you know, you don't work or it's another thing to say, that's the only way, you know, like if, if you're offering like wisdom and this is strongly how I feel 
but you can't bind another person's conscience on something that's not clear. And one thing I've been thinking about a lot, and before this comes out, I have an article that's coming out about education, uh, about whether homeschooling is really the, the answer for Christian families. And I think that online you see a lot of accusations of sin. Maybe they don't come right out and say you're in sin for not homeschooling. You're in sin for letting your wife work. Maybe they don't say it like that, but it is implied often. And, you know, something occurred to me. I don't know of any reformed denomination that's going to put someone under church discipline for not homeschooling or for letting a woman work. And that should cause us to kind of step back and think, you know, why it's not something in our confessions. Right. You know, women must yeah. not work outside the home, you know, or, or that sort of thing. So I think, I think sometimes the things said online are not carefully thought out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think you should take your own situation and enforce it on, on everyone else. I think that can be very harmful. I mean, especially if you think about like single moms or people that are just in like extreme circumstances where even if that was all they wanted was to stay home, it's just yes. not an option, you know? Yes. Um, and that's, that's an important point. Cause it's when I bring, when I have these discussions and I bring up, but what about the single mom? Oh, well, I'm not talking about them. Well, the thing is it either is a sin or it isn't. So you can't say it's a sin in your situation. I think we do have to talk in terms of wisdom, you know, in your situation, what's the wise at least my husband right. and I had to do that, you know? Yeah. I think that's and, the best. It's a case by case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to say I, I work. I, um, mm-hmm. I don't know what we'll do when we have kids, but I, I mean, I really enjoy working and, you know, maybe that's not what I'll do. Maybe I'll stay home, but you know, I, I like, I think it's good to be in the world and, you know, have an impact in the world and, Um, even though I teach middle school, so (laughs) (laughs) that can be challenging. That's its its own world, right? That's its own, that's its own world. I don't, I'm not with adults all day. I'm with 13 year olds who I love, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it's, it's good to be out there and, but I'm not saying that's what, you know, everyone should do, but, um, yeah. And if you're struggling with this, I would say, you know what, probably going online and asking people is probably not the best thing. I think that, not that it's not okay to talk about online, you know, in our group and stuff, but I think if it's something that you're struggling with, I would say go talk to your pastor. Yep. Because, well, that's, and that's kind of our default know. Yes, it is. (laughs) Because I think that there's actually wisdom in that. You know, we've, we've had women who've said, I feel convicted to stay at home, but my husband doesn't. I feel do. Um, homeschool, my husband doesn't. And we say, you know what, you need to go talk to your pastor. Yeah. Because I think that, and I think a lot of people have come out of different kinds of churches. Ashley, you've talked about how one thing that's very new for you in being in this great reformed church is being able to talk to your pastor about these sorts of things. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I know. I mean, we're a tiny church, so it's, it's a little different, you know, if you're in a much larger church, but yeah, I, I know that I can shoot my pastor an email. I can call him up or meet with him, and it's kind of a blessing to be. Yeah, you know, but uh, that it is. 
One thing, if I can add one more thing. So, I mean, okay. we're on this we're on this train of, you know, we're probably going to get some emails. Might as well uh, add something. I have seen okay. some pushback. So when someone asks a question like that, I don't know if I should do this or this. Where it's like, it's one thing if they're asking something that's really clear in scripture where you can just give the biblical. Right. My knee jerk response is, have you talked to your elders or your pastor about this? Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that that is not well received all the time. You know, sometimes it is. And they're like, oh, that's great. I didn't even think of that. I need I need to yeah. ask them. But not all the time where people are actually frustrated with that answer. And that kind of bums me out. Like, I, I just feel like there's people out there who, I don't know, like, don't feel that they can talk to their elders or their pastors about what, you know, questions they have. And I think, gosh, like, that's what the church is for. Like, that's that's why you're under them. They're supposed to be shepherding you. And um, have you noticed that, like, some pushback on, on that response of yeah. have you talked to your elder or your pastor about it? Well, and sometimes in our group, um, when you post in our group, it has to go through admin approval before it's actually posted on the page. And quite often we will see a question and we have an admin chat and someone will come and say, yeah, isn't this a pastor question? This isn't a group question, right? We, yeah, it is. And we will message the person and say, you know, we really want to encourage you to talk to your pastor about this particular yeah. thing not real comfortable with it in the group. That's that sort of thing. And, you know, I had a situation this week and the girl said, okay, I just, I just called my pastor. I'm meeting with him with it this afternoon. Yeah. And I was so encouraged by that, but yeah. I, you know, we do, I do hear, yeah, I don't trust my pastor. I can't meet with my pastor. And, you know, you have people who are in really large churches and I feel for you in that situation. I hope that there's at least you know, an elder that's made available to you. The only time I was in a church, the one that Ashley and I both attended at different times, that was kind of getting large. Um, I guess I'd still been there, so I would still call and ask if I could meet with the pastor. But I think each family was given an elder that was kind of over them, mm -hmm. which was good. And I hope that churches are behaving like churches and are making, you know, the pastor and or elders available to its congregation. Yeah, but I also I also want to say that even when I went to a really large church, I I would seek out my pastor and say, no, I, I want to, I really feel like I'm not getting the answers I need from scripture on this. And I really think I need a, a pastor to answer this. And so I do think it's also on the, the congregants to make sure that they're being faithful to do that and not just kind of glide <laughs> kind of go to church yeah. Sunday and and not be known um, even if I mean I know it's hard if you're in a really big church it's really hard to know your pastor and your elders but I, yeah. I think you have to make that effort to it is their job to shepherd you um, yes and so they need to know you in order to do that which they they that's part of their responsibility but it's also part of of yours to make sure that they know you. So, yeah. One thing I love, um, you know, in, I mean, I don't know if all the Presbyterian churches do this, 
they've done it when we were in the OPC, but also in the PCA that we were in when they did the elders visit. So Mm -hmm. when we were in, the way they did it was um, every six months the pastor would visit and then the next six months the elder would visit. So, and that's not the only time we would talk to them, but you had a very specific time, you know, once every six months that you were going to get an elder visit from either the pastor or one of the other elders. And, Mm -hmm. You know, that was, that's really a great practice, I think, because, you know, when they come, they ask those hard questions that you might not seek them out for. Right. And, and I think it also opens, it actually makes them more approachable when things do come up, which I think is helpful because some people are afraid, you know, they feel like the pastor isn't approachable or that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, and I hope that if you're not in a good church, I hope that you will find one. If if you're somebody who's not in a church or not in a good church and you don't even know where to look, write to us. We can we can look up and, and find some churches in your area. Yeah. So please we do that. that. <laughs> we we yeah. have had people reach out and we've helped them, you know. Yes. Find some at churches. Theology Gals. Yeah, theologygals at gmail.com. So, yeah. well, before we go, Ashley, since you weren't here last week, we didn't do a question of the week last week, but the week before I asked, who was your favorite teacher growing up? Okay, I have two answers. One, you know, I doubt anyone from my high school is listening to this, but uh, Mr. Vaughn from Corona High School in Corona, California. Uh, he was awesome. And I think he loved the Lord. I wasn't a Christian in high school, but I think he loved the Lord. And it was obvious in the way he taught. Um, And so he was just amazing. And then my second favorite was probably my uh, sophomore year in college. I took a calculus class, which I know our listeners are probably like, woohoo, like that sounds awesome. Um, Calculus is a pretty popular subject. Uh, I was really scared to take it. And my professor was so amazing. Like she would do these, like she, I'm just going to say this, no one's going to know what it means. But when she did the proof for why the derivative of e to the x is e to the x, I was like, I'm a math major. Someone, hopefully someone listening knows. So she influenced you a lot. Yeah. Like she was a math major from her. Oh yeah. She was, she just made math so fascinating to me and it never was. I hated math like growing up, you know, like most people do. And I just never learned to really think about math in like a real way. And she totally did that. And so I was so influenced by her that I changed my major to math and now I'm a math teacher. So Oh, that's, I love math. That's a great, great story. Yeah, that's great. Well, I know this is going to sound. I I had so many great teachers growing up, but I will tell you that in sixth grade, I went to Garrettson there in um, yep, Corona. I know it. And they had certain classes had the gifted and talented, um, had gifted and talented classes, and so my mom taught the fifth and sixth grade one, and I was in gifted and talented, so I was in my mom's class. And my mom was an excellent teacher. She really was. Aww. So that is I mean, so I could see cute. maybe a sixth grader not liking their mom, but my mom was such a good teacher and she just she just did she went out of her way and you know, I 
when I'm back in Corona or even on Facebook, people will write to me and say, oh, is your mom on Facebook? I don't know if you remember me, but your mom was my fourth grade teacher and I just oh. loved her so much. And, um, That's I got, adorable. Yeah. So my mom was really, really a great teacher. And then I had a... I had a wonderful voice teacher in college and I just, I loved him so much. I'm, I'm not sure even like why, but he was just, he, the way he encouraged me and believed in me, I don't think I've had anyone ever invest in me in the way that he did and encourage me so much. And not, I was at Bible college, so he didn't just encourage me in music, but he encouraged me in the Lord. And you know, I just, I have very fond memories of him. Yeah. And sorry, but my phone, I forgot to turn my ringer off. And now my husband's going to wonder why I didn't answer the phone. Um, so anyway, so now we we need a question for next week, Ashley. I, I sh- we should put together a bunch so we're not on the yeah, spot. Yeah, we, we are kind of slacking on coming up with the questions. Yeah, um, we need to have some good ones. Or send some in. You know what? If you yeah. can think of some good question of the week. Yeah. Send them in to us. We would love suggestions. Yep. I would guess, okay, I have a good one. Like what? Okay. okay. This isn't, this is not interesting, but I just, cause I'm like thinking about the summertime and what's like your favorite thing to do outside, like with your family. That's what we'll talk about next outside week. Outside with my family. Yeah. Mm. So think about it. Think about it. We'll, oh, we'll yeah. answer I was, it next I was week. I going to tell you. You're right. I, I totally wondered. I was about ready to spill it out. How do we do on this show? We I don't answer it anyway. We, we wait. Well, and, <laughs> right. And we live in Colorado, and we're very we're a very active family. You know, we do mm-hmm. lots of outdoorsy stuff in the summer and the winter. Yeah. I Well, my because I have four sons and my husband, they all ski and a couple of them snowboard, except for I do not do that. Hmm. Um, I have a bad, a bad knee. I have this hereditary issue with my knee. So, but we love, I like sledding though. I mean, that's not my answer because that's not summer, but there's some, there's some fun stuff. I'll have to think about what my favorite is though. Sure. Yeah. So we'll answer that next week. Maybe you can answer what do you look forward to doing one day? as a family when you have children. Maybe you can. Oh, that's so you know, cute. Kind of have make a, me cry. A twist. <laughs> we'll put a little twist on the Ashley version of the question. Oh, man. So, yeah. So um, I think that – I think we pretty much covered everything. On, on the episode notes, we're going to put our new voicemail phone number, which you can also text to, and, and also our Patreon, and, you know, if you want to support us for a few dollars a month. And, um, I think that's about it. I appreciate you guys joining us and for all the support and for the notes of encouragement and, you know, just, just for being, and we appreciate all of you guys so much. And so send in your questions cause we would like to do this again. So have yep. a good night. 